Hello and welcome to The Green Hornet from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. X3, X3, Sentinel X3, now the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush, presents The Green Hornet. Hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Now ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure of A Friday Night in the Mountains, the Green Hornet strikes again. The Adventures of the Green Hornet are brought to you by Orange Crush, the world's leading orange drink that tastes better naturally. Orange Crush is flavored with the juice of fresh, tree-ripened Valencia oranges, so naturally, it tastes better. Always keep delicious Orange Crush handy in your refrigerator. At your dealer's, Get the Orange Crush Handy Pack. Six bottles of Orange Crush in a handy carrying case. Rick Reed, young publisher of the Daily Sentinel, had invited Michael Axford and Police Commissioner Higgins to spend the weekend with him at his mountain lodge. 150 miles north of the city. Leaving the village of Carleyville, they drove more than five miles through country completely unpopulated, except for a single gasoline station. As the car started up a steep rise, Reed nodded toward a house set back off the road on the crest of a hill. You see, Axford, we're not as far from civilization as you think. When we pass that house above, we'll be only 15 minutes from my place. Well, I'm glad you told me. I was beginning to think we were near the North Pole. Isn't that Professor Mannheim's house up there? Yes, that's it, Commissioner. That was an interesting visit we had with him last summer, wasn't it? Yes, it certainly was. Mannheim, you said? Is he the German scientist the Nazis put in jail because he was against them? And the one the Reds tried to kidnap so he'd work for them? That's right, Axford. He came to the United States and took out citizenship papers. Working on an experiment for our government now. No kidding. The way up here he's doing that? Yes, he lives in that house with his housekeeper. And uh, a couple of men. A couple of men? Who? Government agents, Axford. Security men to protect him while he finishes the work he's doing. That's confidential information, Axford. The people in these parts don't know of it. You don't have to worry that I'll ever mention it. I can't imagine why he needs guards, though. No spies could ever find a way up this... Say, Reed, do you think maybe the professor recognizes your car? No. Why? Somebody's waving a handkerchief at us from that corner window on the second floor. That's not a handkerchief, Axford, and no one's waving it. <laughs> it's a cloth of some kind, dust cloth, probably, hanging across the windowsill. Ah, sure, right. <laughs> I'd better get me eyes examined. Hey, that's an imposing-looking house, isn't it, when you look at it straight on? That big turret up there on top makes it look like a castle. A short time after Reed's car had passed the residence of Professor Mannheim, another car moving slowly neared the place. 
There were two passengers in the front seat, a man and a woman. The man who was driving peered casually through the window. Uh, you know, Helena, making this trip day after day has become a bore. Is this the way we serve the cause, driving around daily for months to, to gaze at the window that never... Helena! Yeah, Carl, I see it. A white cloth hanging from the window. The signal. After all this time, the signal we have been waiting for. Watch out where you're going. Turn when we get to the bottom of the hill. We drive back to our hideout and tell our free comrade, Hagen. The freak comrade Duke Hagen, known in the carnival world as the human pretzel, had specialized in an act which saw him throw his arm and leg joints out of place and contort his slim body into unhuman postures. Now, after a term in prison for collecting insurance on a fraudulent accident claim, he was working for the agents of a foreign power. He received Carl's information with enthusiasm. We put on our act tonight, huh? We take over that professor and his guards, do we? Great. I'll start limbering up now. I'll throw out this right arm. Stop it. It makes me sick. Hey, come, dear, come. We go out to the barn now and remove the hay from that wreck of an automobile we ought to use. After dinner, Britt Reed spoke to his lodge guests, Commissioner Higgins and Michael Axford. Tito's driving me to Carleyville in about 20 minutes. I have some things to order at the general store. Care to come along? Uh, not me, Reed. This is Friday. I'm going to use your television. I watched the Packy Jackadelli Joe Jim Johnson fight. <laughs> Should be a corker. I'll go along with you, Reed. While we're on our way to Carleyville, perhaps we may be able to see Professor Mannheim. Hey, that's a good idea. Oh, but we'd better check with him first. There might be new security regulations about that. You better make sure we'll be welcome. All right. I'll use your phone. Call him now. Hello, operator. Six, nine, five, please. Professor Gustav Mannheim was alone when his telephone rang. Yeah, Gretchen must be busy in the kitchen. I'll answer the phone myself. Hello? This is Mannheim. Who is this? Who? Oh, my good friend. Commissioner, I didn't recognize your voice immediately. I'm sorry. You are with your good friend, Mr. Reed? Wunderbar, you must come tonight by all means. No, 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 no. I, I'm happy to say that the day I completed a certain project of which you know, huh? I'm free now to enjoy limitless talk and company. No, no, it will not be too late. No, 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 no. You come by and we touch glasses and talk. A few minutes later, Professor Mannheim, his face wreathed in smiles, hurried from the study and went to one of the two security agents who sat inside the main door of the house reading. Uh, Mr. Mantis, I hope you do not mind. I've just now spoken on a telephone with a friend of mine who's nearby. Yes. I, I, I've asked him to visit me here tonight. Agent Meredith, when told who the visitors were to be, gave his approval for their coming. Then Mannheim went to the dining room, where Gretchen Wessel, his housekeeper, was staring through the window. Gretchen, will I tell you what it... Gretchen, what is it you're looking at outside? Nothing. Nothing I discussed at the moon signs. Why tonight? I look at it. Ah, yes, I see. A cold but beautiful sight, is it not? Gretchen, what... Oh, 
Well, what's the matter? What do you see now? Oh, Professor, look. The automobile that comes up the hill. It goes from one side of the road to the other like some crazy machine. Ah, she hit the tree. How terrible. But there are others in the car. Professor, we must help them. Yeah, yeah, come. We hurry. Agents Meredith and Johnson had heard the crash in front of the house. Together with Mannheim and Gretchen, they ran to where an automobile, its radiator smashed, rested against a tree. Standing beside the car were a man and woman. They were unhurt, but the woman was sobbing, and the man had his arms around her in, in a gesture of consolation. The attention of the four persons from the house, however, was centered on the man who sprawled from the front seat of the car, his body contorted horribly, and his head hanging downward. How terrible it is, Professor. Tell Meredith, do not let him lie there like that. Johnson, this stuff is back seems to be broken. Not, not, not. Be careful. It's dangerous to move the man in such conditions. We know, Professor. But we've been taught to handle cases like this. Say, Johnson, get your arms under his back. Right. There. I have him. His legs out of joint, too. I'll ease him to the ground. All right, now. What are you doing? You two, let go of that man. My gun is pointed at you. Turn slowly with your hands in the air. What's the Make one false move and I kill you both. Give me that gun. Give it. Stay where you are, Professor. There is a gun against your back. Sure, I, I stand still. I, I don't understand. This, this accident was fake. <laughs> what do you think? That fellow we were helping. Look at him. Yeah, all straightened out now. Oh, you, you were not hurt. I put on a good act, huh? Take the guns from those two federal men. Sure, sure. You know who we are, eh? We walked right into this. I'll take that gun, mister. There. Yeah, you walked right into it. Like we planned for almost a year. A year? What's, uh, what's behind all this? Are you kidding? I'll take your wallet and badge, too. Thanks. We were waiting for the professor to finish his work. Well, he finished today Keep and... Keep quiet, were... you. We'll do the talking. Take that other one's gun. Yeah, right. We can't stay out here. Gretchen, lead the way. Gretchen? Well, that's it. You cued these rats through this, huh, Gretchen? These are my comrades. Always I have been in contact with them, waiting for this day. Now they have come, and the waiting has not been in vain. Follow me, comrades. Inside the house, Carl kept Professor Mannheim and the security agents covered while his wife and Hagen bound the wrists and ankles of the three men. When this was done, Carl said, uh, Helena, Gretchen, you wait a few minutes. Hagen and I must return to the road and move the car to a spot where it will not be seen. I suppose you faked the wreck of the car, too, huh? <laughs> yeah, but certainly, that radiator was smashed in an accident many months ago. Come, Hagen. When the two men returned from hiding the car in Mannheim's garage, they placed Professor Mannheim in one room and the security agents, Meredith and Johnson, in another. Meredith spoke to Carl while Helena stood by. I suppose your comrade Gretchen has told you all there is to know about the situation here. You are right. She has kept us advised of everything the professor has been doing. She did that in Germany, too? Well, not to us. In, in Germany, she made reports on him to her superiors there. <laughs> Poor foolish Mannheim had hired her because she was supposedly so anti-communist. Well, if she's told you everything, then she's advised you that she doesn't know where the papers on Mannheim's experiment are kept. Yes, she has told us that. But she has also told us that the papers are somewhere in this house, awaiting the messengers who will come from Washington tomorrow. The professor certainly told her everything. Except the most important one. Huh? What is that? 
He hasn't told you that Mannheim has no idea where his papers are. He turned over everything to us after his work was completed. You're telling us that you two men know where they are? We do know, but we're not telling you. And nothing you try will make us tell. What's more, you'll never find where they are. They're in the laboratory somewhere, aren't they? Look there, why don't you? Helena, pay no attention to these men. They are government agents, and they try to be clever. <laughs> they lie about Mannheim not knowing. They try to keep us from making him tell us. Uh, what is that? Well, it must be the front door chimes. Is it more of your comrades to join you now that you're in control here? Helena, quick. Look out the window over there. There it is, and don't let them see you. I look, Carl. There are two men at the door. Another race in an automobile out on the road. Who can they be? Helena, go into the room where Hagen and Gretchen are with Mannheim. Tell Gretchen to Here come. Here I am, comrade. You'll hear the bell? There are men at the door, Gretchen. Do you know who they may be? No. Perhaps it is the messengers from Washington who have come before time. Comrade Helena, let me look out that window. I see. Be careful. In the moonlight, I recognize them. Who are they? One is a police commissioner, Hagen, from the city. Well, uh... What would he be doing here? The man with him is with Reed, who owns the newspaper. Carl, Reed has a lodge a few miles from here, near our place. You know it. They are friends of the professor. They come here last summer to see him. Gretchen, you go downstairs and enter the door. And tell him this. Say that the professor is not at home. We'll continue our story in just a moment. Make mine Orange Crush. It tastes better naturally. Yes, naturally, Orange Crush tastes better. It's flavored with pure natural orange juice from tree-ripened Valencia oranges. It tastes so fresh. And the way it sparkles, my youngsters love Orange Crush. Say, fellas and girls, you'll love Orange Crush, too. So tell your mom you want it. See that the refrigerator is always stocked up with delicious, refreshing Orange Crush. It's such a treat when you come home from school, tuckered out and thirsty. Orange Crush is great with after-school snacks of sandwiches and cookies. And it's the drink to have on hand when the gang comes over, too. It's the world's leading orange drink. You'll be proud to serve it. There's just no other drink in the world so good as Orange Crush. It tastes better naturally. That fresh orange juice flavor is wonderful. It's the natural flavor of luscious Valencia oranges, the finest, juiciest oranges grown in sunny California. So naturally... Naturally. Naturally, Orange Crush tastes better. Tell Mom to pick up a six-bottle handy pack of Orange Crush at her grocer's. Ask for Orange Crush at refreshment counters wherever you happen to be. And always ask for it by name. Don't just say orange. Say, I want Orange Crush. Because it tastes better naturally. That's Orange Crush. O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. Now back to the Green Hornet. Outside the house, Brick Reed, after pressing the door chimes for a fourth time, turned to Commissioner Higgins. Well, that's strange. Surely someone in there has heard me ring. I wonder why they oh, don't I answer. think I hear someone coming down the stairs inside now, Reed. Wait a second. Yes? Hello, Mrs. Wessel. Oh, hello, Commissioner Higgins, is it not? And there, Reed. That's right. How have you been? Good, but I am sorry, gentlemen. Professor Mannheim is not at home. 
He will not be home soon. He has gone away. Gone away? When did this happen? Uh, yesterday. That is when? Yesterday. Yeah, but Commissioner Higgins spoke to the professor on the telephone less than an hour ago. What? He asked us to drop in and see him. Well, that is, I... I mean, Gretchen, I didn't... Gretchen, I have heard the conversation. <laughs> you do not lie too well. You may go. Uh, yes. <laughs> Gentlemen, I will explain this to you. Uh, but first, here are my credentials. I am Thomas Meredith, a security agent on duty here. Already? These are your credentials, Mr... Meredith, you say? Yes, yes. You see, a Professor Mannheim left with my partner a very few minutes ago. They are catching a train in Carleyville to make connections for Washington. <laughs> the professor was summoned there quite unexpectedly. Yes, so it would seem. He told that me he'd that... be here when you came. I know that, but Gretchen didn't. She knows that visitors are usually discouraged here, especially at night, and that accounts for her story. You, you understand, of course. No, I can't say that. Well, I we, uh, we understand, Mister Meredith. Um, we'll be here over the weekend. If the professor returns during that time, ask him to give me a ring, will you please? Oh, gladly. Glad. Uh, you are... Mr. Reed. Britt Reed. You'll know where to reach me. Yes, Mr. Reed. Uh, good night. Oh, good night, sir. Oh, good night. Good night. Come on, Carl. They have gone. Shh, wait. Now, come. We'll go back to the professor and start to work on him. He'll tell us what we want to know. We'll make him. Reed and Commissioner Higgins had ordered Cato to drive them away from the vicinity of the Mannheim house immediately. Now the car came to a stop at the foot of the hill near the crossroads. Commissioner, something's definitely out of line back in that house. Yes, don't I know it. That man wasn't Agent Meredith. We met Meredith last summer when we visited the professor, remember? Certainly. That man had an accent. And that housekeeper, Mrs. Wessel, she was obviously upset and lying. So is he. There isn't a train out of Carleyville between 5 p.m. and 6 a.m. after Labor Day. Then Mannheim couldn't be making connections for Washington. No. Commissioner, I think we should notify the state police and ask them to check on this. Well, that'll be my first thought, Reed. But we both know that Mannheim's under orders from Washington. But the state or local authorities know nothing about this setup here. I'll call a top man of Washington and learn if there's any truth in Mannheim's being summoned there. If he hasn't been, well... If he hasn't been, then we're wasting valuable time. Commissioner, you take the car, drive back to the lodge and place that call alone. Hmm? Cato, you have the Green Hornet's mask in that compartment beneath the driver's seat? Oh, yes, Mr. Britt. I've got two masks, one gas gun, a special key... Well, get them for me, Cato. Now, hold it, hold it, hold it. I know that you're the Green Hornet, Reed. But I'll have no part in any plans you may have in mind. I realize that, Commissioner. So I'll outline no plans. Cato, take those things and come with me. Oh, I have them. Now, Britt Reed has no right to enter the Mannheim house. But the Green Hornet, judging by the circumstances, has good reason to... I'll see here, Reed. Don't worry about us, Commissioner. If Axford asks any questions, say we're still in Carleyville. Tell him anything. Now, we'll go up the hill through that grove of pine trees, Cato. As Commissioner Higgins started back for Reed's Lodge, Reed and Cato, adjusting the masks each wore, started upward by a roundabout route to the rear of Professor Mannheim's house. A short while later, using the Green Hornet's special key, they entered a rear door of the house unnoticed. I'll handle the gun, Cato. You follow me.
Carl and Hagen had been unable to learn anything from Professor Mannheim, though they had used painful means trying to make him talk. Hagen remained with the professor, while Carl and the two women crossed the hall into the room where the two security agents would be given the red agent's special treatment. The professor, moaning, opened his eyes in wonderment as the door behind Hagen opened and a masked man stood in the doorway. So you have your killers come here now to shoot me. What are you talking about? Uh, what are you looking at like that? Why? Hagen turned and saw the figure in the doorway. He shouted loudly and reached for his gun. Help! Carl! It's the Green Hornet! I'll shoot to you! The Green Hornet rushed toward him. You're too slow. At that moment, Cato rushed in from the hallway. The man and two women come with guns from across the hall. The lights, as shots from the hall crashed over their heads, the Green Hornet and Cato rushed to the wall and turned off the light switch. They sprinted across the room through the darkness to another door that led into a rear hallway. Those shots are too close. This way, up the stairs. Oh, too bad we not have guns to return fire. Yeah, we certainly ran into a hornet's nest. No, they do that. Run into green hornets. Here comes the fellow who said he was Meredith. His aim is too good. He'd go up next flight of stairs. That leads to the attic. Wait till I try to hold him off. I'll throw this chair down the stairway. I hit him. But he's coming at us again. I see the women now. They have guns, too. Let's get up into the attic. Here we are. Get inside here. Quick. Push this dresser against the door. They can't break in here. There. Well, now we put bed and chair against dresser. Right. Keep the crowd slow behind that chair until the door is completely barricaded. We can't stay locked up here without doing anything. We must get out fast and do something. Back at Reed's Lodge, Commissioner Higgins completed his telephone call to Washington. And it's all right to call the state police in on this, huh? All right, Mr. Secretary, I'll advise them right away. Commissioner, Jack O'Dennett KO'd Joe Jim Johnson in the first round. It was Waxman, some fight. I haven't tired to hear about your fight. Reed's car is outside. Get it started, will you please? I'm in a hurry. What's all the excitement? I'll tell you about it when I join you in the car. Okay, I'll get it started then. Hello. Hello, operator. Get me the state police in Carleyville, please, and hurry. An occasional shot from the stairway was proof to the Green Hornet that his pursuers had the door to the attic covered from below. He had been looking out both windows in the turret-like room, one of which faced north and the other south. Sheets and pillowcases to tie together and lower ourselves, Cato. But there are windows beneath each of the windows in this room. The lights just went on there. Oh, if we try to lower ourselves down, someone in room below have guns ready to shoot us. Yeah, that's it. If we could only divert the... Hey, wait, I have it. Cato... Let's take that mattress and rip the top of it a bit. Come on. The Green Hornet and Cato pulled a large mattress from behind a pile of bedding. They tore the mattress cover, and then on the Green Hornet's instructions, hung the mattress partly out of the window facing the road. Well, what are you going to do now? Set fire to the mattress. You place some papers in the padding so the flames will start at once. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. There, it started. Get back now. Fire started the mattress. Well, now what? Let it burn there and see that none of the flames catch on to the house itself. I'll start tying sheets together, and when I've done enough of them, I'll tell you what we'll do next. One of the state troopers in the car speeding from Carleyville as a result of Commissioner Higgins' call saw the blaze atop the house on the distant hill. That's in the Mannheim place, where we're heading. Step on it, Charlie. We'll call the fire department from there. 
Higgins, at the wheel of Reed's car, was nearer the Mannheim home when he saw the crimson glow in the turret of the moon-bathed house. Axford, there's a fire at the place. We'll have to step on it. Glory be! I'm glad Jack O'Delly has a knockout punch, because now maybe I have a story to put on the wire. The Green Hornet saw Higgins and his car coming up the hill toward the house. He turned to Cato. Cato, be ready to slide down that length of bed sheet I've tied to the beam. Get over there now. I'll write a note to throw to Higgins. When the car stopped in front of the Mannheim house, Axford was out of it first. Say, that's not a real fire. That's something blazing on the sill. Commissioner, look. A masked man standing on something inside the place, behind the blaze. He... Look, he threw something. Yes, I see it. I'll get it. It's a sheet of paper. Higgins, followed by Axford, ran to where the paper fluttered groundward from the attic. Higgins read the brief note. Axford, Professor Mannheim's being held captive inside. Say, isn't that the green harnet seal at the bottom of that thing? Never mind, I have my gun. We're going to shoot our way into that house. Wait, you don't have to do it alone. Here come some state troopers. They'll help you. Come on, Charlie. A few minutes later, state troopers, one with a submachine gun, fired into the front door of the house and then rushed inside. They found Professor Mannheim bound and gagged, and beside him, the unconscious figure of Duke Hagen. Mannheim, unbound, began to talk. Two government men are tied up in a room across the hall. They're the hey, ones that... look! Coming down those stairs out in the rear hallway. A guy with a gun! Get him! He's one of the get agents! <laughs> That's getting him fast! There's another woman behind her, Mrs. Wessel. Get spy her. Guess her, too. All right, you women. We'll find out what this is all about in a minute. Drop those guns and come in here. I'll tell you everything, officer. Oh, Commissioner Higgins, I thought I was a dead one. Hey, what about the Green Hornet? He's up in the attic room with the fire going. We saw that. Charlie, I'll take this machine gun and go up after him. Commissioner Higgins will look after these women while you attend to that wounded man in the hallway. I'll free Agents Meredith and Johnson. The state trooper who had gone into the attic returned a few minutes later. I took everything I had to break into that attic. When I got in, there was no sign of the Green Hornet. There were sheets hanging out of the rear window, and he must have escaped down those. I stamped out the mattress fire. And... Hey, what's going on here? Oh, Reed, uh, I told Axford you were walking back to the lodge for exercise. You saw the fire in the attic, did you? Yes, I saw it. What was it all about? It's about spies that tried to steal some papers from Professor Mannheim. I got the story from him, Reed. Well, what about the papers? Did they get those? No, an agent named Meredith has them hidden in the laboratory. He's getting them now, while the other agent who's with him is arresting two men and two women. Well, this is going to be news to me. Give me the details, someone. I'll do that, Reed. But first, let me tell you who was here and got away. Can you guess? No. It was the Green Hand, that's who. He escaped a trap in the attic and... <laughs> Hornet story for today. 
Another exciting story brought to you by the most refreshing drink in the world. The drink that's actually good for you because it's made with real oranges. The one and only Orange Crush. It sparkles, it tingles, it makes you feel fresh again. Always keep several bottles in your refrigerator. And always remember, the handy way to do that is to get the handy pack. Six bottles of Orange Crush in a handy carrying case. This program is a feature of the Green Hornet Incorporated. Created by George W. Trendle, produced by Trendle Campbell Muir Incorporated, directed by Charles D. Livingston, and edited by Fran Stryker. The part of the Green Hornet is played by Jack McCarthy. This copyrighted feature originates in Detroit, and all characters, places, and incidents used are fictitious. The Green Hornet is brought to you every Wednesday and Friday at the same time by the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush. That's the drink you like best of all. Try it. Next time, ask for Orange Crush. But remember, don't say orange. Say Orange Crush. O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. Next Friday, listen to the Green Hornet again in the exciting story of danger entitled The Simple Clue. And now, till Friday, this is Fred Foy saying so long from Orange Crush. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.